0: What's up car nerds, it's your favorite supercar fanatics Jay
1: and Kevin. We're here to convince you that cars aren't just to get you from point A to point B.
0: This is Fuel For Thought. We are back here with episode 15 with my favorite co-host. Hello, the only co-host actually, so yeah. (laughs) True, yeah, that's the only one, so I guess it is by default my favorite, but... Uh, today we're back with episode 15 and we've got a really cool one for you guys We're talking about the scariest cars that have ever been made in history. And So what is the criteria for this Kevin? So really it's it's more on
1: unorthodox I guess it's just a list of cars that are known to be like dangerous and like, you know have a reputation of being hard to drive but also a lot of crashes and fatalities, I guess.
0: Yeah, and just like a lack of safety features, either because of when they were built or just in the way they're they're built. Like they're built for just rugged speed and power. So, um, I guess this was kind of most of these are before the time when it was so strictly regulated. So, um, that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on. But well. To an extent, like
1: if we did talk about like the early, early cars, like 1920, they had nothing. So if you crash, you're basically dead because the engine. So those
0: are all scary cars, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the engine would just go through the cab or the firewall and then uh, crush you.
0: Yeah, so. that, that doesn't sound very fun unless you're like, then you're truly a car nerd because you're just, the engine is part of you. But I don't know if yeah, that's what we're you're going
1: for. Yeah, one with the engine. Uh, yeah. But these are sort of modern ish cars but a lot of them had missing features
0: that are interesting yeah so all right well let's kick it off here with probably the most famous one that's probably the most commonly known in the world and that's obviously because of Paul Walker and what happened to him and that's the Porsche Carrera GT um so if you guys don't know the story Paul Walker he plays uh I always forget his name in the show in the brian movie. yeah brian o'connor some, yeah brian o'connor in fast and furious and uh so he actually died while driving he actually wasn't driving he was passenger in a carrera gt um when the driver who was actually a racing driver wrapped it around i think it was a tree uh, i think it was yeah either a tree or a light pole something yeah something like something unforgiving obviously so it, i think it caught on fire and then he he died in that so that kind of started uh, its popularity as a very scary and dangerous car. Um, and, I mean, there's some other things here that kind of, you know, make it even scarier. So, what are some of these things, Kevin? Yeah, so, well, to begin, the car was never really meant
1: to be a road car. It was designed and built for the racetrack. It was actually Porsche's attempt at entering a car in uh, Le Mans and... Um, I think some regulations changed and they had never ended up releasing it to the you know the race world and they just had this v10 sitting on the shelves and then they were like we don't want to good you know have it go to waste and they were trying to compete at the time McLaren and uh, Mercedes did the SLR and then Ferrari did the Enzo so they kind of wanted to go you know go into this market and compete with the others so they took this V10 and essentially just build a race car like a raw purebred race car and that's what the courier gt was but that meant rear wheel drive manual with a race clutch like we're talking proper race clutch yeah Um, i think
0: my we gotta get my brother on here at some point but um he's kind of not driven it but he's kind of putted it through the porsche lot he used to work at porsche and he said that clutch is ridiculous it's like i don't know it's trying to lift like a eighty pound weight and like press into the floor, like doing pretty much like a leg press at the gym essentially. Yeah. With Mm -hmm. one with one leg (laughs) and you're probably gonna have a pretty sore hip if you're doing that for hundreds of kilometers. This guy like
1: works out too. So it's not like he's yeah, he's, he's weak or anything. Boy. Yeah, But uh, yeah, I think he
0: what, stalled it a couple of times? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it stalls super easily. So yeah, that's kind of the first problem because your mind is going to be subconsciously occupied while you're driving with that heavy clutch and like making mm-hmm. sure you don't stall in traffic and stuff like that. So that's kind of the first thing that's going to dart your attention away from the actual driving, which is part of the reason why it's so dangerous as well. Um, and then what you said too? It's got the, yeah, so it's got the race clutch. It's got that scary V twelve. Sorry, V ten um, with six hundred and twelve horsepower. Which honestly, I'm really sad they didn't put this in more Porsches because yeah, that thing it, sounds awesome. It's
1: well, I I think it's a good thing that they didn't because it's kind of like a unicorn, like something we'll probably never see from Porsche ever again because now of all their missions, BS and stuff, and you know it's kind of a Its own category, never going to be recreated, replaced. So that's why it has such a high status and such a a high price. Like these things are going for one, two million dollars, which is insane because new was like half a million. And Porsche was like heavily discounting them because nobody wanted them in the early 2000s.
0: I think we talked about this one before. What episode was that? I don't remember when we brought it up, but I think we talked about the Courier GT as well. Yeah, but yeah. We were talking about how like a lot of them were just like the same color and stuff like that, and how they're so many were produced in like the same spec.
1: Yeah, it was an early episode when we talked about the Mirror right, GT. Right, right. Yeah. We introduced the Courier GT, but again, we we have to keep mentioning yeah, it, it it's, because it's, so it's such it's so good such a good car. Yeah. So yeah, the. The V10, 600 horsepower, insane clutch, but then also rear-wheel drive. That's yeah. with a manual.
0: So yeah. this is just asking for disaster, uh, first of all.
1: But the biggest point is no ABS or traction control, which yeah, <laughs> that's insane. On a road going, I get like a race car, sure. Like an experienced driver will be able to, you know, handle it. But on a, you know, everyday car, like... And regular people can you know if you have the money go into a dealership and buy it that's pretty insane to just not
0: having any assistance it it's kind of scary that anyone can just take this out on the road too. like for example you know that heavy clutch right say if you're not too comfortable driving like manual or stick shift whatever you want to call it um, and you you slip into a gear and then there's no trash control so your wheels are spinning really quick and you just it's almost it's so easy to cause an accident or to kill yourself if you're going fast enough yeah So. I think
1: there's been a few like high profile deaths in the Courier GT. So there's obviously Paul Walker. I think there's um, some famous rock artist in the early 2000s was like on a, a rally and uh, drove off a canyon. And then I think an actor, another actor also passed away in the GT. So that's just like famous people. Um,
0: yeah. so this is multifaceted. It's not a one time event. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of repeated here.
1: There's been quite a few casualties and, you know, that's why it kind of has the the nickname of the Widowmaker. Yeah, Uh, because it's uh, if you can't tame it, it will tame
0: you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like this idea that, you know, only certain people like race car drivers or professional drivers can really handle its true potential. And that's kind of the scary thing. Why they made a road legal in the first place, which is, you know, kind of our question. Um, why they why they just released this to the public, and uh, mass produced it, which they didn't even really mass produce. But do you know how many units they built roughly? Uh yeah, it's like twelve hundred. Okay, yeah, so pretty pretty decent number of these cars were were in the world, um, driven mostly probably by people that don't have any racing experience or driving experience uh, to that extent. Probably not.
1: I, I don't remember if it was the same thing. Like, um, you had to be a exclusive porsche you know buyer to to get one of these mm-hmm. uh I, I can't imagine some random you know schmuck off the street was just like with no driving experience was just like yeah let me put half a million dollar on some random porsche That's true so i i'm sure these guys have some sort of passion for cars and you know uh, like care about cars but if yeah. they're, as
0: if they're good drivers or not, that's, that's debatable. Yeah, that's the thing. They can they can own them, but it doesn't mean they can drive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, so that kind of wraps it up about the career GT. Uh, the second one I want, we wanted to talk about today is the early generation Dodge Viper. And uh, this is very interesting styling, too, if you guys want to Google it. Um, it is, what's the year? I think it's like early 90s and onwards, right? Into early 2000s? Yeah, uh, if I, I recall, so like
1: it's in like... 1994 the mm-hmm. concept it's called the Dodge Viper r r slash 10
0: right right yeah yeah that was the original one in it it looks so different from the ones that are released now but it's kind of got that cool like retro look and definitely stood out back in the day when it was released so wait it I think looks it's
1: RT 10 I don't like know T10? yeah
0: something like that it has a V10 so that's all you need to know yeah <laughs> it's kind of a theme here V10 cars um, but yeah, so kind of the main theme of this is very similar to the Career GT. Um, they're built very basic. They were very simple in order to keep the cost of the car down because they had such a such a big sporty engine. Um, so I think that's kind of where the problem started. Um, there also wasn't any roll cage at all, which was kind of a thing that started occurring in the 90s, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so just, you know, obviously if a car rolls and, you know, you get in, a, in an accident situation, a roll cage is... Pretty needed especially with this big engine underneath the hood um and it's got that massive eight liter v10 too so it's the the flagship viper engine that's i think it's the biggest v10 in the world right
1: the uh, newest one like the well i guess the they stopped making vipers i um, hate to break the news but yeah like 10 <laughs> years ago so. or something but the the last version of the viper had an 8.4 liter v10 which is the biggest engine ever made yeah it's ridiculous or mass-produced i'm sure there's some shop yeah that like,
0: yeah they're built in bigger yeah. board out the the cylinders a little bit more
1: yeah i mean the i think i saw a tuning company like they built out a viper engine to nine liters which yeah. is
0: it's almost a liter per piston or per cylinder that's ridiculous
1: yeah, I I think you have to like trailer a gas tank
0: behind you just to, just <laughs> to like drive around. Those, like a uh, tanker truck driving behind you. Yeah? yeah, that's ridiculous. But yeah, this this thing is nuts, and this engine is huge too. If you've ever looked under the hood of a Viper, like most of the car is just engine. So it's it's a big freaking engine. Um, it did do 4.3 seconds 0 to 60, which was pretty unreal for the early 90s. Um, and again, no ABS traction control or even airbags in this one. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah. So this was like, keep in mind, this was early nineties. That's so from seventies to nineties, like cars basically were, weren't really regulated. Like it was just mayhem for the car industry. Like if you, if you Google pre, we'll probably do an episode on this, but pre, um, Emissions regulation, and when they started hiking gas prices in the like late '70s, early '80s, car manufacturers were making like massive engines. Yeah, like big American, like cute like four hundred cubic. I don't know, like it
0: was massive. Yeah. yeah, but even then, it was like still terrible horsepower. Like yeah. No, we'll but, definitely have to do an episode on that. I, I I was actually thinking about that because that that lines up exactly with like the oil crisis in the '70s and '80s. So we'll mm-hmm. have to do an episode on that. And that whole thing it's some interesting history and kind of shaped yeah. the whole modern world with how we look at fossil fuels. So definitely have to do an episode on that and kind of you know how it shaped the industry for sure.
1: Yeah, but essentially, like, this time kind of was the golden era for car manufacturers because they could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So like that's why they they built this car and yeah the lack of airbags now looking at it, it's like okay that's just insane but back then even seat belts were like they were seen as uncool to wear seat belts which yeah. is just insane like Especially now going
0: so fast with that power it's like you yeah. really have nothing between you and like a brick wall
1: yeah exactly and the lack of roll cage is like it seems like you know not impressive right now like not many cars have roll cages but keep in mind this was a roadster too you could get the coupe and then the roadster so we're talking about a roadster where if you flip you're dead because yeah,
0: your head is the thing protecting you
1: literally like the windshield won't do anything and there's nowadays we have like the um i think they're called strut bars or something mm-hmm. behind the driver's seat yeah
0: they're like behind the the headrest right that yeah. stick out a little higher it's
1: like a little half oval right. that will protect the driver but Back then, there was nothing.
0: That's actually ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's crazy for us to think about now, but back in the day, it was completely normal. Like even like you yeah. said, going back to like the twenties and thirties, like it, it was never a thing for fifty or sixty years until regulation caught up and enough deaths happened that they figured they should probably do something about that. Well, the worst of the worst is like, you could drive drunk
1: like that's yeah. the most insane <laughs> that, thing to me
0: without back airbags then, without trash control ABS no seat any belts. cage no.
1: <laughs> yeah you could there, there was like I mean people could cram because there was bench seats so you could cram like five people in the bench seat drive drunk with no seat belts yeah. probably no speed limits because cops probably didn't have radar detectors or whatever back then so it's like that was insane yeah. that would have been fun it a lot of hooning been. but yeah uh, very Doing deadly. all kinds
0: of hard drugs you know yeah yeah but yeah i I think it makes sense now why the average lifespan has gone up so much honestly now that i think about it (laughs) maybe it's all all linked to the car industry
1: yeah but now there's more traffic more people (laughs) it's even worse i just spent an hour in traffic
0: so that's why i'm still salty about that yeah we we literally drove to this train station that's maybe 10 minutes away and it took him an hour to get home so pretty uh pretty distressed right now (laughs) yeah yeah, if you guys hear passive aggressiveness, just uh, just Kevin being angry at, at the world. Okay, uh, so enough about this viper. Let's move on to something a bit more exotic, and that, of course, is the Koenigsegg CCX. Do you want to talk about this one?
1: Yeah, so this was not the first car Koenigsegg made, because uh, that was the CC8S, something like that. Right. But yeah. it's almost the same body. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of looks like really similar. Uh, This was back when I believe they were using the Ford engine, the V8, uh, Supercharged V8, or Twins and Electro, I don't know, Central Supercharger, some some weird name.
0: I have heard that. I didn't know they used Ford engines, though. That's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, so initially, they were too small to kind of like everything, every big company like Pagani, uh, McLaren, Bugatti, they all like, you can't make an engine when you're like a really small company because it's too much money and too much research and all that. So they just like use an engine from, you know, like Ford or a company that's mass producing. Yeah, Yeah. mass producing, established, and then they kind of tweak it for their own cars. So they would buy a big block Ford v 8 and then, you know, supercharger, twin turbo or whatever to get the power. Now they build their own engines, KnigSig does, but back then, they, yeah, they were pretty small. That's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, that's maybe even an episode in itself, too. Like, talking about, you know, where the original engines came from. Because, obviously, like, we're going way back, like, the Ford Model T, right? Like, the first commercially viable car. Like, Ford obviously started with, you know, its own engines. So, it's kind of been, like, the, the hallmark of the engine.
1: Um, they, so, Ford... W- w- I wouldn't say they made, they like revolutionized the engine because that was already in place. They were more rev- rev-
0: rev- Revol- revolutionary. <laughs> Jesus Christ, can't talk.
1: Okay, that word that you just said, they just like sped up the manufacturing process. So before it would take months to build a car, but Ford really like um, crafted like a factory line and like steps yeah, and like line, right? assembly. Yeah, okay. line. yeah, yeah. exactly. And then like sped up and in turn like reduced the cost and okay. that's why the car was so popular because they could just churn one out like it still took a while like a, a week or whatever mm-hmm. but they undercut the competition by like hundreds of dollars which
0: to today's money is probably like thirty thousand dollars yeah it's just ridiculous like that was some crazy innovation but I think yeah. that also kind of like set the stage for you know everything going forward to like kind of how how manufacturing would would start and stuff like that and to be honest they still do that like i read some crazy statistic that in the us it's like an f-150 sold every like what is it eight seconds or something ridiculous just probably nice. not eight seconds i feel like that's too low but yeah there's <laughs> i want to google it now i'm actually really curious let me look it up but anyway uh, it's a uh, like
1: yeah so i l- let's go back to the connect yeah while you looked that back. up yeah sounds good um so yeah, this, this car was made uh, in the early 2000s again. There's a common theme here, I guess safety started uh, after 2010. People valued their life. Um, so somewhat. This car had 800 horsepower, which, you know, is good, but in today's standard, maybe isn't that impressive. But back then that was pretty, pretty intense, um, especially for a rail drive car, and I believe it's manual the CCX yeah the early versions however didn't have a rear wing which was insane because this thing first of all the the front end is like very thin so if you don't know about the CCX you should definitely look it up because it's really like amazing car the front end is very sleek but then the back end kind of just falls off and not having a wing like supporting the down the back wheels
0: yeah.
1: It's just brutal. Um and as we saw there's uh a, a, an episode on Top Gear which to me is one of the my favorite episodes. Uh they test drove the CCX on the there's racetrack whatever they call it. Yeah. uh to do their time, you know, the they always did this with every new car. And one of the outtakes the stig actually crashed into the tire wall. <laughs>
0: That's the only one he crashed, right?
1: yeah that's the only car he ever crashed or lost control
0: uh, ever in the whole span of the show I mean you can blame him this thing is wild like I don't know 806 horsepower yeah that's I mean we were looking at um, at the career GT that's 612 this is like a, a healthy 200 more than that and it probably weighed less too yeah that's pretty nuts. Anyway, I just wanted to jump back really quick to F-150s. 1.7 is sold every minute. <laughs> 1.7, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. I just divide the number. It's 20, 2,486 per day. So that comes out to about, what was it? So one every like yeah, one every 40 seconds? Like maybe? 100 every hour, roughly. So it comes down to like 1.7 per minute. Jeez, that's insane. <laughs> it's actually ridiculous, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, pretty crazy stat, honestly.
1: If you're thinking about, about buying an F one hundred and fifty, don't buy Ram. Buy Ram,
0: hey! You heard it here first. Kevin's a big Ram boy. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's my go-to.
0: Yeah, at least you know it's um, quality instead of quantity. I guess that's I guess all you can base it on.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Fords are known to like, especially the F one hundred and fifty. I don't know about the EcoBoost, but like the older Fords are. I, I guess their whole. Problems no well most of them are actually pretty good the the whole slogan build tough is kind of works like if you ever look at a landscaping company or a just like a a, a company that's uses trucks on the daily everything's going to be Fords because yeah. they last rams are great the the engine's great transmission's great for the most part um but they rust a lot, yeah. so you most Rams you see has has rust everywhere. Um, whereas Fords are usually a bit better reliability. But uh, yeah, we're getting
0: sidetracked.
1: Who cares yeah, always about? Always get
0: sidetracked. Okay, <laughs> cars is cars, right?
1: Yeah, that's what happens when you nerd out too much about cars.
0: Yeah. So okay, back back to the Kinexic though. So what uh, what do you think led to like the Stig crashing? do you think it has anything to do with downforce?
1: Um, I remember watching a clip uh, so obviously back then we the Stig wasn't like talking but I think it was Jeremy Clarkson or somebody else just talking through what happened and if I remember correctly they just said like um, snap oversteer so sometimes when you like really floor it you can get like snap oversteer so like the back end is just going to quickly lose and because you're going such high speeds, it'll like quickly turn the car one way and he just lost it like midway through the corner, couldn't recover
0: and then just went straight into the tire wall. That's, that's insane. But you know what the hilarious thing is? Like have you seen those tests on the internet where they do like the quick like steer movements from left to right and a can exec? Like they've like mastered that stability now. Have you seen yeah. That? I don't know if I've ever seen that I think it, they're going like 300 350 or something and then they literally just grab the steering wheel and they go like this really quickly and the car just like veers but it's like stability control so it like stays perfectly straight I'll have to show you after this and we'll yeah we'll provide that on Instagram as well but um yeah really cool so they kind of I feel like they made it might have taken that to heart because I think they did have a talk with knigzig after that right
1: yeah so the the owner christian Christ, Christian von knigzig is the owner of the company uh was there himself for the test and what i what i love about this company is they're always like pushing the boundary if you look at Koenigsegg and what they've done over the years it is impressive yeah. like they've done a car with no gears the regera just mm-hmm. doesn't have gears which I, I don't even know how it works it's too complicated for my brain they've done the yesco which is um I, I don't even know. I think it has seven clutches. So it's like the this. fastest shifting car yeah. in the world. They've done the new Germa or something like that, which is like a four-seater, 2,000-horsepower, crazy car. Um, they've done the most horsepower three-cylinder in the world. It was like 800 horsepower three-cylinder. Jesus.
0: I didn't even know about this stuff.
1: Yeah, they they just like insane... Um, engineering and they're always taking feedback, taking notes, like improving on everything they possibly can. So, as soon as they crashed the car, they weren't like upset because if it was Ferrari, they were just sued Top Gear, never aired the exactly. episode, sued the Stag, and I don't know, sue every staff Angry there. Italian day. <laughs> yeah, whereas Knigsig was like, okay, here's what happened, let's do some logs, let's do some analysis, and then came back put a wing on it and fix the issue and now like
0: learn from that mistake yeah so they're, they're always like pushing the boundaries and learning from there. yeah even if mistake. you see like I've watched a couple documentaries um, like with with Christian von Kandex again and he's he's just such a involved guy like he's involved in every yeah. step of the process like he's one of those CEOs that like he literally like this is his passion he really cares about it he cares about how the cars turn out he cares about his staff and you can see that so clearly even in like the documentaries he's like learning from the engineers on how they build certain things and um and he kind of has last say in everything which i guess makes sense but he just oversees everything and i think that's what makes it so unique because it's his vision and then he works with his staff to bring something crazy to the world which honestly yeah. is pretty sweet it would yeah. be, it'd be fun working for him
1: i'd love to i'd love for the company to get to a point where you know they still make hyper cars that are awesome and all that they're super fast and you know, they hold the fastest car in the world right now that the record actually, no I think they got beat by Bugatti. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me But you know, they're having a, their own dick measuring contest yeah. there, <laughs> but uh it didn't matter time for you hit a thousand <laughs> Yeah, Uh but I would love for them to start Maybe not mass producing but producing a car that's like attainable for everyday people. Yeah, maybe like in the 60,000 to $100,000 range something just cool like if they use that three-cylinder, 800 horsepower with some cool transmission, with I don't know, that looks awesome. Like Knegzig usually designs, that'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'd be down to own one of those. That'd be yeah. sweet. Be like, yo, I got a Knegzig. I think there'd be some fat demand for that too.
1: I, I think so. I, the the thing about this company is like, they're pushing the boundaries. So obviously, it, a lot of research has to go into it. Mm-hmm. So that's why their cars are so expensive like yeah like i think the cheapest
0: one is like just under a million or something uh probably think, more actually. yeah probably uh, yeah because the older ones are appreciating as well so yeah it's probably nothing under a million probably not That's actually crazy. yeah it's crazy maybe
1: the about. four-door one but it's still technically a concept i don't think it has been put oh, yeah. out for and sale. even
0: even when it does come out they'll probably limit the numbers too so yeah I'm curious yeah, that's nuts. All right, uh, sidetracked once again, but that's okay. Um, so the CCX, this is like, you guys have to look this thing up. This thing looks freaking awesome. Like the back end too. it does, I think it's three separate lights in the rear light. Like I just, it looks like a spaceship, even though it's already pretty old. It just looks so good. I, I, I It's probably one of my favorite Kinexigs, how it looks. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm more towards
1: the Agira. The Agira. That thing does look sweet. Probably RS. RS, I was going to say that.
0: insane. Or now, in white. Have you seen it in white?
1: yeah i I think maybe a gear up so there's two uh both located in california it's called like the final edition uh so one's like vader the other one's thor or something both of those are just insane they're like fully specked out one of them has like diamond flakes in the paint is just (laughs) such a flex like that paint job alone was a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars
0: that's insane yeah Yeah. it goes to show that like that's the kind of people where these cars are going so not exactly an everyday person's car but yeah regardless i just i don't know i love that era like even with like the the zonda like the original zonda yeah like that's like the same era where this one comes from so i kind of love that like old style original hypercar kind of thing which is super sick um but yeah definitely agree with you the Agera rs is is sexy too i love that thing okay let's move on here because we've been talking about the connection for a while um, something a little more simple and uh down to earth, the uh, Mustang, Ford Mustang. Yeah, so you think so of this one. <laughs> this one it's more the people, not really the car. It's <laughs> the people are the problem, not the driver the driver that's the problem, not so much the car and the car gets a bad rap because of it, right?
1: Yeah, so everyone pretty much knows the the whole internet is like memeing these Mustangs at this point. Yeah. Uh what happens is they're mass produced, so they, you know, become cheap as the uh, as they get old because the markets like flooded with used Mustangs mm-hmm. and then a teenager will buy it or the parents will buy it for the teenager get behind the wheel they don't know how to drive and then they go to a car show show off do nice little skid leaving the parking lot and then crash into people or cars.
0: Yeah, the people one I've seen multiple times, actually. Like, the yeah. the full, like, drifts in a parking lot doing donuts and then just losing control and into people. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem, honestly. And I think it's partly also because they're pretty affordable compared to a lot of cars. Like, it's a pretty affordable, like, muscle car. Um, especially if you go for, like, the V6 Mustang, like an older one. You can get them for, I mean, what, under 20K, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's part of the problem. Um, and again, rear wheel drive. Yeah, rear wheel
1: drive. I think most of them are manual. Yeah. Um, you could probably get auto, but I'm sure you can still skid uh, auto rear wheel drive Mustang. Yeah, exactly.
0: Pretty easy to do.
1: Yeah. And even older people like they're they're pretty hard to handle these cars. Yeah. Because the the thing is like it's not really an expensive car that people put care into it so maybe you buy used ones like really crappy tires and then you're like well i didn't spend that much i'm not going to spend more on tires so yeah. then you don't change them they're bald and then next thing you know you're wrapped around a pool
0: exactly yeah it rains a little bit and you just don't have any grip in the rain or snow or whatever And just boom yeah or you drift if you're a psychopath but we never do that here what are you talking about? <laughs> Wish no, I could. I got Quattro. <laughs> yeah, I got X Drive. Yeah, so uh, we're grown ups now. Unfortunately, oh, uh, uh, in in the snow, I, uh, <laughs> still try to have some fun, you know. Yeah, I've done some donuts in the snow. Yeah, want to actually take it to a racetrack and do some—well, not my car, but <laughs> a car—and do some yeah. proper drift lessons. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, 100%. I'll we'll do an episode, like a video episode about us doing drifting. <laughs> a, <laughs> a vlog. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That would be so fun. We should plan that, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, again, getting off track. Uh, it's too much fun stuff to talk about here. Um, okay, the last one we want to talk about today is something a little bit like left field that we wouldn't see in every day-to-day things. I mean, some other of these are like that, too. But it's the TVR Cer- Cerbra? Cerbra? C- yeah, Cerbra. Cerbra. however you want to pronounce that sure uh the speed 12. um so yeah this thing is pretty ridiculous look it up it's it's a very interesting looking car um it's got a 7.7 liter v12 and it makes almost a thousand horsepower so this thing's pretty ridiculous um yeah i mean do do you want to start it off there's a lot to talk about here
1: yeah so this is probably it's not really uh I guess common enough to be on a TV show or I think there has been reviews but this probably is the scariest car ever made yeah the just the insane everything Um, so first of all if you don't know TVR is uh, a car company they're usually pretty low-key they're from British British (laughs) (laughs) they're from uh, the UK and uh, they usually make just small like kind of competing with Lotus, like inline six. I don't know what was going on in their head. Someone did
0: a line of cocaine
1: and then just had a great idea. (laughs) It was just like, you know what? We got a bunch of money. Let's just build an insane car. So this one was, again, uh, supposed to be a race car from uh, I don't think it was going to compete in Le Mans, but just racing. And then they just never did it. Uh, But again, they Went through all this research, built this engine, this whole chassis. So they're like, might as well use it. Uh, so then they sell it to the public. But unfortunately, they only made two of them.
0: Which yeah, um, so that sounds similar to the Carrera GT, except the Carrera was mass-produced, so to speak. But yes yeah. these, these ones only made two, which is interesting. If they wanted to make it for the public. So I think what
1: happened here is Porsche. You know, they have a manufacturing plant. They have the staff their resources so they could mass produce something whereas TVR probably built this and were like okay we can do this and then got like one order and they're like oh god this could exactly. take eight months to build and yeah, yeah. We, we don't have, have the have resources and exactly because yeah they're, they're a really really small company um, they're not even allowed or legal in to like sell new in the US or Canada you can import them under the like historic car law Mm, interesting. So I got the chance to see one of these in Toronto, which was the really? most random thing. I was just like biking in some like warehouse area, and then there's just a TVR just chilling in beside a warehouse. Like, really? <laughs> Jesus.
0: This guy's doing some illegal car importing.
1: <laughs> uh, no, it just looked like a daily driver. Like it had license plates. That's crazy. But yeah, I just spotted it because they have, TVR probably has the craziest paint. Um, ever it's like chameleon like mm, right. shifting color shifting paints it's like the oil slick
0: stuff too right Like I think yeah. I've seen a purple one with like a, a yellow underglow kind of thing it was super cool
1: yeah it's really interesting paints so that that's why I spotted it it was like green purple ish and I was like what the hell is that's that that's crazy
0: that you've seen that like this one specifically or was it a different TVR
1: no not this one it was just okay. the normal like I don't know any Still, TVR I models. think it's one
0: with like the weird dots for rear lights right yeah yeah okay yeah I think I haven't seen one in person but I know which one you're talking about but that that's pretty sweet though um, but yeah what makes this thing really unique is that it has a straight six and it has a six speed so it's two sixes I guess and then they fused two of these engines together to form the V12
1: yeah that's that's weird I guess uh, Volkswagen
0: kind of did that with Yeah, it was two VR6 engines glued together. And similar, I guess, guess, if you want to think about it this way, to the Bugatti Veyron as well. They did that W16, the two engines. Not really fused, but they're just, you know, working in harmony. Yeah. Um, So I guess it's not very original, but it is pretty interesting that they just decided to slap two together instead of starting from a fresh base. But I guess that goes to show the size of the company. They just didn't really have the budget for that. So they just slapped them together and called it a day. Um, Do you know what engines they used? Like what brand? Or did they just kind of...
1: Have they, they have their own um, inline six. Oh wow okay so that's usually what they put in like their normal road going cars so i guess just one day someone like you said took a line in coke and was like what if we
0: took two engines <laughs> put them together hear me out <laughs> yeah that, that's the only thing that makes sense in my mind um, but yeah, um, I also came uh, across this when I was doing some research that um, it snapped a dino. Or actually, I think you told me this. It snapped a dino when it was being tested during development.
1: I don't remember telling you that. You probably okay, maybe saw I researched it. it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, from what I know, it's so it's supposed to make eight hundred horsepower. That's what TVR said. Um, but multiple occasions. Well, not multiple because there's only two cars, but a two few occasions. Yeah, a few occasions, uh, the car was dynoed and actually made way more than
0: 800. So. It's pretty wild. Usually it's undersold, but this is oversold. Or, yeah. Sorry, the other way around. Usually it's oversold, but now, now it was undersold how much power it actually has. Yeah. So that's it's just pretty, pretty crazy. 200 horsepower short. That's like a, that's like a decent car short.
1: That's, that's a lot left <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, table.
0: Definitely. That's pretty crazy. I I found that pretty interesting when I saw that. Again, common theme here, no airbags and no traction control. I think this one did have ABS, but... Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it has a roll cage. Okay, so two are are checked off, two are left undone. I don't know what year this is from, but I think it is definitely not the 90s, so... 2005. Uh, Exactly, so I guess there was probably a little bit more regulation at that point. So I guess that's why they had these things, but... Again, traction control with a thousand horsepower definitely a must. Um, I'm not sure if it's rear wheel drive actually. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is oh, even worse. Okay. Yeah. So no traction control. <laughs> no and rear wheel drive. It's a recipe for disaster with a thousand horsepower. Um, and somehow this thing is street legal. Yeah, that's that's a weird thing because if you think about it, they probably
1: never did any like crash test or anything. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, because. A normal car, when it goes to production, has to like do crash tests, pass emissions, to like be road legal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this thing was road legal because there's no way the UK government was like,
0: no, yeah, we can allow this. Maybe it was like under the table, street legal. They just kind of said it was and it wasn't. Because <laughs> yeah. there's only two, so they'll be like, they'll never find out which one it is. That's an
1: interesting thing,
0: because something happened
1: recently was unearthed by uh, VinWiki. It's uh, a popular YouTube channel for just car stories and stuff. They uncovered something sketchy going on. So the F1, McLaren F1, like the old car, was road legal. Mm -hmm. The F1 GTR was never road legal. It was strictly for the racetrack. But somehow someone in the UK... like mess with the system got like a plate that was from an f1 and put it on his f1 gtr and like did a bunch of like weird shady stuff and then was able to make the car road legal that way so maybe that's what's happening with this car like there's a bunch of like it's registered under a normal tvr car that's very possible
0: but then isn't that so i don't know that's crazy i didn't know that was a thing we should try that with the Zonda R. Oh, I wanna try that. <laughs> Things are ridiculous.
1: I, have, I mean, I'm sure if you have enough money, I'm sure yeah. you, you can, can f- bend anything you want. Yeah, yeah, you can bend the rules to your to your will. Like yeah. same same with the um P one G T R. So the P one is road legal, the P one G T R isn't. Yeah. But then there's a company in the UK that does some little magic and then your car becomes road legal. Those
0: British people, eh? They know how to do it.
1: Yeah, there's uh They know what they're doing. Yeah, I I think they just put like turn signals on and somehow then it becomes real legal.
0: Exactly. Put a rear view mirror or something and then, you know, call it a day. Yeah. Um, But yeah, anyway, so of the two, um, I know you were telling me about it, that one is in a museum and the other one actually goes to car shows sometimes. Is that true?
1: Yeah, so uh, the, the one, so TVR, I think, has it in their museum or donated it to some... Museum, and so that one's probably never seen the light of day ever again. But one was privately owned and has traded hands like quite a few times at this point. And every owner seems to just you know drive it and show it at car shows. Uh, it was actually recently sold at auction uh, this year and surprisingly fetched a low number, so it was 800,000. I, I don't know if that's uh, British monies or real yeah. money. It's
0: fake monies or real money.
1: <laughs> um, but that's pretty low, in my opinion. That is pretty low. Because, like, really, this is one of one car. The yeah, other one's never exactly. going to be privately owned. And only eight hundred thousand. If we look like the McLaren F1, there's two hundred something that's selling for two twenty million, thirty million. Yeah, exactly. The F40s are
0: fetching like I don't know. Two
1: million, maybe
0: something like that. I'm guessing maybe because it's a less known company, so a lot of people just don't even know it exists, or they don't care to know it exists. So I'm wondering yeah. if maybe because McLaren or like Ferrari, they're they're more established companies, it has a wider audience. That maybe that's why it also drives the price up, because you know obviously um, it's also supply and demand uh, driving that as well. True. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I'll we'll have to look into that more. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. This thing weighs 1,000 kilograms, <laughs> um, and it has 850 horsepower, the one that's left on the road, which is something I found. Um, it was built in 2005, like we mentioned, so yeah, very interesting. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, just the thing that like strikes me is, so if it
1: it's rated 800, but if we go off what it dynoed at, 1,000 horsepower, this is original the og one of one car
0: yeah you're right so Koenigsegg might have not been the first yeah that's crazy all right the, now i know why this thing is a death car the death trap yeah <laughs> that's
1: crazy because at least the Koenigsegg has aerodynamics and traction control and all the
0: technology this thing did just did not yeah it's insane to me um but yeah back in 05 that was that was a while ago so yeah the original one goes back so, cool. the original mega car. Yeah. Unreal. What a way to end this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about quite a few cars today. We talked about the Career GT as the Widowmaker. We got the early gen Dodge Viper, the Koenigsegg CCX, the Mustang, and of course the TVR Cerbera Speed 12. So, yeah, world's most dangerous and scariest cars. Um, buy them at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you can afford any car other than the mustang uh what are you doing (laughs) yeah uh hit us up we want to talk to you Um, yeah but yeah thank you guys for listening is there anything else you want to add kevin before we sign off here uh no that's that's good sweet all right guys thanks for listening and we'll see you next week in episode 16 goodbye
1: if you're still around you must be a nerd just like us
0: in that case, head over to our Instagram at fuel underscore podcast to check out our custom car specs. See you next week and don't forget to hit the throttle today.